Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. LPN Deep Dives presents A Court of Thorns and Roses. Natalie Jean and Jackie Zabrowski. Wait, you want to look at this? I mean, it is. <laughs> Woo! That is full penetration. I was about to. <laughs> I found this really cool Patreon um, that. <laughs> Sorry, Jackie. <laughs> Keep showing. I, I want that full penetration. You know, I love sitting next to my sister-in-law looking at pictures of full penetration. Really, really just like not, it's not burying the lead. No. It's burying something. No, 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 no. Very, very deep. Mm-hmm. Huh? Look, oh, I mean, like... I'm very into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a fun. In fact, I'm trying to not be too into it because you're showing it to me. I have to go, ah, renderings, I see. Ah, the yes. human form. Ah, yes. Or the faith form. Just, yes, it is just a bit of artwork. Um, it's a fun 3D. And she jerks him off at the table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this Patreon is Tiara La. I'm sorry. I really apologize if I'm mispronouncing this. Lahamadu. Lahamadu. Um, Tiara L-H-O-M-M-E-D-I-E-U uh, Really fun 3D rendering She has the um, What is it? The What's it called when you can't see things in your brain? Blind mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, we can't see things in your brain um, a, aphasia. Fa- aphasia, I believe it's called so she she does these renderings because she can't see it in her head and she wants to know what they look Sick. like. Sick. Right? That's awesome. Um, so if you want to see some pretty <laughs> pretty realistic pen. Wow, it is. Yeah, it's fun. I thought that like you just accidentally had your porn pulled up on your computer, which I mean, I've done that on my phone countless times. Whoopsie. I mean, technically this could be porn for the right Consumer. For the right people. I, you know what, as much as, like, I don't think I can. I think we talk about these characters too much for me to actually, like, jerk off to a picture of them actually having sex. Like, I feel like I'd feel uncomfortable. Really interesting. Yes. Mm. I think that, like, I we discuss them too much, and now it's kind of like they're our friends. Is this a sad thing to, to admit? No. Should I not be admitting this? I think that's very sweet. Even I mean, in my brain, because I don't have aphasia. I can, I can see it. Up there, and then it's fine. What about Nesta Cassian? Woo! Woo! Like, would you be able to watch pairings that were not really together in 
the series? Yes, like Amarin just slamming on anybody, I'm, I will watch okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Especially yes, right. after all the ultimatum queer love I've been watching. Mm. I mean, I could definitely uh, sp- sprinkle some more Amarin in there. Okay. Open it up, Amarin. Well, I know that she does for <laughs> for the right person. Whatever happens in there, we don't really know if she's got uh, human-like genitals in any way or fae-like genitals. We have no Man, idea. sometimes a rub's a rub, though. Rub's a rub's you know? and a tug's a tug. And a tug is a tug. It really <laughs> just depends on where you're rubbing where you're tugging. Mm. And that's advice from Jackie Zabrowski. Yep. You know what? Give it a Words rub. Maybe it'll feel by. good. <laughs> <laughs> Consensually. <laughs> Um, yes, I was thinking of your on your own person. No, if it's on someone else, you should probably ask before the <laughs> rubbins start. Always ask before the rubbins. Excuse me while I put on lip gloss. Oh, oh she needs oh, shinier man. lips. Mm, I'm dressed for the hewn city today. Yeah, and I'm dressed as the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. Yes, I am Sammy's sweetheart Faye version. Oh, you're Sammy. Well, I'm feeling I'm I'm a mixture of a Sammy and a Snooky because I want to be full meatball here. You got I mean, you're crushing it. I love the bump. The head Thank bump. you. I've got a bump today and I didn't even use a bump it. Remember the bump it's? Oh, yeah. No, this is only bobby pin here and I got it to stay. I love this concept of you cosplaying different people as Faye. Yeah. I mean, all you have to do is put the Faye ears on. But then you like put and on now like the sweetest jewelry. Look at you. Yes, Beautiful. I've got all this jewelry on. Because, you know, if we're going Faye down at the shore, it, is it gym tan laundry? Like, it really depends. Yes, it's got to be sparkly. You got to be sparkly. But I don't think that they're spending a lot. Like, they're not doing a lot of laundry in these books, you know? I feel like that's what the shadow women are for. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, how great it would be to have shadow women that just do it all for you. Yeah, I know. That's the biggest criticism amongst the leftists is that it is romanticizing um like a monarchy oh yes certainly but, or is. patriarchy uh but listen in fantasy we're everybody's happy yeah they're they're a lot <laughs> yeah sarah dwin <laughs> smiles yeah she loves when that. she has to pick up all the bloody clothes off the floor or has to hear rezond eat out pharah again <laughs> you know i like, mean i do think that would be a perk of the hearing job. it, I don't know if I want to hear my boss slinging, like Even slapping if it's it. I mean, yeah, I don't think I could work for Rizan though, because I think it would just be like, You're too hot, yeah. I need to work for ugly people or my brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, <laughs> um, also, quick sh- at the top here, we got to get into this, we got thick episode, but uh. There was, I'm sure a lot of you noticed, I got messages. We, I accidentally had the f- incorrect chapter reading last episode. <gasps> it was too far. And I am very sorry. We were on, we were on a little spring break at LPN and it was set and it was my fault. And then it, we were all on break when it happened and then it was, we couldn't change it. So, but that's okay. You read a little bit more. Now you read a little bit more. Now you ready for this one. And now you ready for this one. Isn't that fun? So. Where we last left off, Feyre and Reese have had their first public argument. Oh my God. Yeah. They're officially married. <laughs> that's a marriage that's, joke. It's not a it's not consummating the marriage. It's just your first public fight. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. Jeff and I will work on it. It's fine. It's normal to bicker. 
And Feyre insists on, you know, she is, for whatever reason, she insists on defending her sister, even though she's a bit of a witch with a bee. Yeah, um, but you still got to, like, defend, yeah. you know, I'll defend you to death. Natalie. Thank you. I'll defend you to death. I'm going to act like a bitch all the time. Yeah, and then like, Jackie has to step in. You don't understand her. <laughs> um, so, okay. Oh, also, I finally read the bonus chapter for Cassie and Anesta, which oh, I yeah. had not. Oh, yeah. And it actually takes place during Akamath. So we're already past the time frame it's from. And he calls her a bitch in his head. And I was like, finally, someone says it. Because she's such a jerk. And he does call her a bitch. And I do think that she deserves it. I don't think we should be calling each other bitches for little things as women. But sometimes a bitch is a bitch. You know? Nesta's a bitch. Yeah. And I understand it's because she's gone through a lot. But also, that doesn't give you free reign yeah, to be blanche. a horrific bitch to everybody. No. no. She's so mean. Like, the only kind of mean you can get away with if you're insanely hot. And she's just so hot. So yeah. she can just do whatever she wants. And I, after Silver Flame, I love Nesta. Yes. But before we get a glimpse of her head, I'm just like, Jesus, relax. Mm-hmm. Why are you so mean? So anyway, yes, Feyre snaps at Reese, And then following that, the whole crew is getting prepared to have dinner with everyone at the House of Wind. Feyre sees Saradwyn and Nuala for yeah, the first yeah. time. Yeah, since the, the being returned back, and it's a little happy reunion. And it's the first idea we get that they have any sort of affection towards Feyre. And I do hope we get to learn a bit more about them in Elaine's book. Shadow people have feelings, too. I'm sure they do. And they, they seem to be—we'll learn more about it, but it seems like they form a connection with Elaine, which is all I'll say about it. But I mean, somebody's got to. She's living in Lay land. Ugh, she's just so, so sad thinking about Grayson. Ugh. Ugh. Oh, get over it. You really think he plows as well as Lucian does? No. 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 Uh, God, I the still... things I do. He's just catching fish for me. Just fucking take care of me. <laughs> Biting its head off, pulling the, the spine out. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cassian flies Feyre up to the House of Wind later, and she says it's just for Cassian's strength building now that he's healed. But it may be a little bit because it's awkward about mm. their little temper flare. Mm. As they fly... She gently broaches the subject of Nesta because whether or not he's trying to hide it, it's clear that Cassian feels some kind of way about Nesta. But as I mentioned, he's not taking her abuse. Like I mentioned this before, he's pushing back. So they kind of can, they kind of work together in that way. Like if you'll recall, he's the one who called her out for leaving Feyre to fend for her family mm-hmm. in Miss and Fury. Mm-hmm. And when they first met the Archeron sisters and on this flight, he is continuing to grumble about her, but in a way in which you can feel he has some, like, longings going on. There's some feelings there. Mm-hmm. Oh, Cassian. Feyre lightly questions if he's seen any weird behavior from her. And basically, basically concerned about, like, the strangeness she saw come out of Nesta when she was jumped out of the cauldron. There's, like, there's something about Nesta. Yeah, man. Um, she needs to get her groove back, though. She does, but... There's, they're a little concerned that um, some weird spell happened to her in the cauldron, and she's not talking about it. Oh, she's not like the other Faye. She's not. Her eyeballs are changing colors. Sick. Which is sick, but also 
on Nesta that's a little scary. I think you need to go to a med witch. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, so anyway, Favor's nervous about it. But Cassian says he hasn't noticed anything. He's sort of more going, ugh, I don't know. Urgh, she's just being difficult. I keep trying. He, he was like, I keep trying to get her to train, but she won't. Perhaps only a few wing beats separated us from the broad landing veranda, but I asked, Why do you bother, Cassian? His hazel eyes shuddered as we smoothly landed, and I thought he wouldn't answer, especially not as we heard the others already in the dining room beyond the veranda, especially not when Reese gracefully landed beside us and strode in ahead with a wink. But Cassian said quietly as we headed for the dining room, Because I can't stay away. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God, my loins ache for Cassian. Mm. Because he can't stay away. It just makes me, like, I feel like I definitely, I know that we've discussed this before. I used to definitely do the, like, um, be a bitch trying to catch the flies, but there's no honey <laughs> in your bitch. Your mm -hmm. bitch is just, like, straight, dry bitch. So you're not catching any flies. Right. You need the honey to catch the flies. Yeah. But if it means I can get Cassian, maybe I need to be bitchier. I, he seems to really like it. Yeah. All right. Maybe. All right. Well, the Zabrowski sisters are going to start being bitches. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're starting. We're, I'm the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. All right. I'm Sammy Sweetheart. Oh, you are. Everybody sweetheart. watch out. All right. I'm Sammy Faybay. And you should be scared because, Ron, I'm coming for you. Oh, is he also a Faye? Ron. Ron could never be Faye. Ugh. Got to get rid of him. <laughs> Get out of here with him. Oh, no. I'm going to try to not talk about Jersey Shore in the Faye world too much. I mean, I'm here for but it. But I'm just saying that if the Jersey Shore lives somewhere in the world of the Faye, it is in the Court of Nightmares. And we haven't gotten there yet, <laughs> but we are city. going there today. And There's I, no shore. Yeah. But I mean, I think that they could see it in their nightmares. Like, it's like it's there, but it's all like because they're actually getting like, you know, I don't know, waterboarded or something. Whatever happens <laughs> in the Court of Nightmares. I know there's rivers in there. Yeah, see? So it's not that kind of shore. And in their head, they don't know the difference. You don't want to toss them off at Adriata? You're not going to do that to the Summer Court people? No, no. I can't do that to the <laughs> Summer Court. I can't. But at least Court of Nightmares, like, Kier can handle them. Oh, sure. Kier can let Ronnie dance, all right? All he wants to do is dance. He just They just want to fist bump. Uh, okay. All right. We got a Hewn City Jersey Shore mashup. <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> they gather all for the meal in House of Wind except Elaine. It's not surprising to anyone since, as you'll recall, she's basically a shell in her room. Mm. You can do better than Grayson, girl. Yes. He's not worth it. No. Even the name SJM gave him, like, tells you he's dull. Grayson? Gray sun? Yes, son of gray. I wish he was like orange sun. You know, that would be so much more oh, fun. Oh, uh, ooh, uh, uh, teal swan. <laughs> teal swan? <laughs> like Bella swan? No, teal swan is a cult leader. That oh, gotcha. Tealson. Um, yeah, no, blah, boo. No one's even done a fan art of him because who cares? Mm -hmm. In this scene at the House of Wind, we get lots of fashion tidbits. Lucian is in tight cream pants that show off his muscle thighs. 
He'd always had a casual grace about him, but here, tonight, with his hair tied back and jacket buttoned to his neck, he truly looked the part of a High Lord's son. Handsome, powerful, a bit rakish, mm. but well-mannered and elegant. This In cream pants? Whoa! <laughs> that leaves nothing to the imagination. It really doesn't. Yeah, well. I said he's, not a, he's not worried about leaving anything. No, no he sure. certainly is not. Just, yeah, there's a lot more cream coming on. Uh, <laughs> I'm way more invested in Lucien's appearance this read-around for... Research In, purposes. Research purposes. Um, this is, it's for the job, guys. Yeah. All right. He is rakish. That's a cute way to put it. Yes. I know that's what they always say about Bridgerton. Yeah, in like Pride and Prejudice and all that yes. stuff. Yes. What to rake? What to rake? We don't say people are rakish enough. I love the phrase rakish. I, know. I think that it's it's such a like oh you ooh, you're so charming but ooh you kind of got that bad a little, boy little edge to a little bit of edge and he catches the fish with his hands. <laughs> <laughs> Lucian's also noting the fashions because everyone's wearing wildly different dress codes. Fair is in her fighting leathers and a flowy white shirt. Moore's in a sexy full length cocktail gown. Yes. Fair tells him they wear whatever they want and it makes him sort of wary and confused. But the rage isn't in him. He's almost just kind of sad and, and, and lost. Of course, his mate is just like straight. Like, can you imagine taking that rejection every single day? And you're also trapped there with thine enemy? And you lost your whole home. Like, you yes. can't even go back to where you lived. No, you have nothing. Poor Lucian. Like, I really feel so much more for him in this read-through. I do, but not that bad because he gets to live in the house of win. So. Oh, yeah. Um, but we get a bit of surprise from the circle that Nesta has Dane to join them for this dinner, Whoa. even though Elaine doesn't. Everyone sort of braces themselves as she walks into the room. Yes, Devastating was a good word for how lovely she'd become as a high fae. And in a long-sleeved, dark blue gown that clung to her curves before falling gracefully to the floor in a spill of fabric, Cassian looked like someone had punched him in the gut. Oh, Cassian. Jackie, did you just have a moment? <laughs> I just want him to look at me like that. In my head, he was looking at me like that. Yeah, and I like, think I was like, oh. like taken aback like of him just like thinking I'm devastatingly yeah. beautiful. <sighs> but she, I know. I have a partner that tells me I'm beautiful all the time. It's not like I don't get well, that. Well, tell him to look at you when you walk into the room like that. Yes, I say, I want you to look at me like I'm devastating. Like I just punched you in the gut. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't actually punch him in the gut, but I would Just go punch in the gut and I would say that. Yeah. And imagine it. Yes. Um, Nessa can't act like she cares, but she definitely cares. But she just shows up like, whatever, I'm here. Moore goes up to her and starts feeling the dress that she's wearing, saying she wants one. And Nessa basically slut James Moore, the usual. There's a teasing going back and forth. And I think all of them are trying to be normal, and Nessa's just like, what are all of you doing? Like, what is this? Um, and then Feyre tries to tell Nesta that this is what friends is. Yes. Having friends. Yeah, it's, like, cool to just, like, talk about whatever, Nesta. You don't always have to be a Sour Patch Kid. But she's not impressed. She's not doing it. She's, oh, not, no. being, she's not being a sweet— 
Sweet Valley Girl. Sweet Valley Girl. Sweet no, Valley she's High a Sour girl. Patch Kid because she's not sweet. Because then mm-hmm. you think when Cassian licks her that he goes, ooh, you sour. Yeah. <laughs> he likes it. No, I can't even. We can't even talk about it yet. There's like, we're like nowhere near it. Oh, yeah. Maybe they don't like each other. I'm sorry. Maybe they don't like each other. Maybe it's all for real. Like, we all know where, where this is going. Okay? Let's not. We're not talking down to you guys. You see this. But you don't you know. see the longing. Listen, but you don't know what happens. There's a lot of stuff that goes on. It's not just straight cut and it's not just cut and dry here. No, 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 no. There's going to be a lot of ebb and flow. So get used to it. You ready for that? Oi! Uh, (laughs) You really are Jersey Shore. (laughs) (laughs) This is coming out of you. Sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. (laughs) uh, Here we get to start to get a sense of the dynamic that will occur between Amarin and Nesta because Amarin's now arrived and Amarin's obviously not going to be intimidated by Nesta. And we quickly. Learn that Nesta will go where eagles dare. Wow. And just as and just ask Amarin questions about herself that no one has ever dared ask before. So Amarin assesses her and tells Nesta that she is a quote, real piece of work. Nesta's eyes flicked up. Amarin idly swirled a goblet of blood, watching her like a cat with a new interesting toy. Nesta only said, Why do your eyes glow? Little curiosity, just a blunt need for explanation. And no fear. None. And then it just cuts to Nesta and she's wearing one of those no fear shirts with the dogs <laughs> on it. And she just goes, woof! Yeah. And just, don't, like, then everybody's scared of her. Because you know, if you saw someone in middle school with those no fear shirts on, you stay away! Oh, yeah, Sammy the Fairy would be like, that's my girl right there. Yeah, beat him up. Yeah, no fear. Although, is that what is that what the no fear shirt said or was it for Lamos? Well, it was cool when I was specifically, I was in fifth grade. Yeah, it was like genuinely cool. But then I, this became a thing that like maybe I think sort of like bro-y guys started wearing. Yeah. I don't know. And do you think that they like slowly like... Did then they start wearing Ed Hardy? Like, did it go from no fear to Ed Hardy? I think no fear is directly connected to the pissing Calvin. Oh, is it? Oh, I remember pissing Calvin. Remember um, uh, Big Johnson shirts? Oh, do I remember Big Johnson shirts? (laughs) Those are all connected to each other. Um, For cool guys. Yeah, for cool guys. (laughs) So (laughs) Amarin says that... When she says this all to Amarin, she just says, no one's ever asked me that before. It's like watching two aliens converse or two cats just like eyeing each other up. Yeah. After watching her, Amarin kind of just tells Nesta that she and her are the same. She means that they're both made, but there's also a camaraderie between the two of them. Both uh, both have a, a way of distancing themselves from others, and sometimes that makes for good friendships between them. So we'll see how this unfolds, but Amarin seems more content to accept that they might be friends, but Nessa's still just like, ugh, I don't, I don't, I don't have friends. Ugh. Amarin's red lips parted in a wide serpentine smile. When you erupt, girl, make sure it is felt across worlds. Love that line. But that's not a cummy line. No. Oh. Just rage. Oh, yeah, yeah, But, yeah. I mean, you know, Rizon did roar across the mountains, so maybe— Man, the mountains shook! The mountains shook! 
That is one big old that's a load of cum. Big old load of cum. There ain't no way of saying that differently. That's just a big old load of cum. <laughs> I would feel like such a badass if someone said that to me, make sure it's felt across. Oh, yeah, man. Over the next scene, we get almost a POV of Lucian and Nesta experiencing the inner circle dynamics. So it is a scene that feels very cinematic where it's like a play out of their casual kinship, their love of one another and Lucian. She and Nesta are both sort of just being like, okay, what is this? Um, what is love? What is friendship? Yeah, they don't understand. Um, so they get to – we can – as the reader kind of get to watch them watch a group that we've grown to know and love, and they don't really know what to make of it. Lucian is confounded, but you get the sense that it makes only Nesta feel more isolated and alone, that they're all laughing together. And that's on her because they are desperately trying to include her. It really does get to a point sometimes when you're in your unhappiness. I'm not saying all unhappiness is chosen, but it does get to a point when everyone around you is trying to be like, no, we're including you. No, we really like you. We would like to have you as a part of our family when you're still just like, no, I won't. I think this is when I started getting really frustrated with Nesta and I stayed frustrated with Nesta until I got to know her more yeah. but at this point in my first read through I was just like then what the fuck do you want dude like I'm sorry you've been through shit and yes you were made without your consent but these people they didn't were, do it was it locked to you. in a cage yes. for like three months dude you like open up a little bit mm. let the sun in <laughs> the sunshine. Oh my God, uh, she is just like the age of Aquarius. She is. <laughs> um, Although we do, do we know her astrological sign? I don't believe we know Nessa's birthday. Mm. But also, their zodiacs are probably different because they're on a different planet. <gasps> oh my God, yes. What are their? I wa- I want to know the Fey astrological signs <laughs> now. Write a letter to Sarah J. Moss. <laughs> Sarah, will you just come on and like let us know what you what, think about their astrological signs? What constellations are over Prithian? Please. Please. <laughs> during, <laughs> during their banter, they discuss how they should operate as a unit when they are to meet with the other high lords in this coming congregation because they're all gathering the lords of Prithian together to discuss this hybrid war that's, show, that's about to happen. And this talk, Lucian offers his thoughts, and it becomes more clear that he is not here to be hostile. He genuinely wants what's best for Prithian, and he and Reese begin a sort of tepid attempt at relationship. He considers Lucian's advice about dealing with his father— but then he sh- then Rizan shifts topics. There is another meeting that needs to be had, and soon. He has some sort of bad news for oh, everyone. Oh, God. He has to go. He's going to be asking Kier, Mord's, Moore's bastard father, Tui. Pooh, to bring his army and fight against Hyburn with them. It's a big ask. Yeah, and it's not a happy thought for any of them. Here they briefly explain to Lucian and Nesta what the Court of Nightmares is. Lucian, of course, always thought that the Court of Nightmares was the entire Night Court because that's what the Outer World thinks. And he's not so shocked to hear that this dark part actually exists. Moore pushes Reese about why he's deciding to do this. She says, my dad's going to say no and you're wasting your time. Reese only says that he'll have to find a way to convince him. Kier's army, which is called the Darkbringer Legion— which is not not gonna lie, it's a really cool name. name. It's just a really cool name. Do you think the Jersey Shore would be in the army? 
No. no. Oh, of course not. No, wait. They unless there's like bruise, unless they're the cabs here in the Darkbringer Legion, unless the cabs have taken them from mm. the Court of Nightmares to the to the battle, I think that they're gonna stay out. But I can imagine them off to the side, freshly laundered, fist bumping into the air though. Like like cheering them on. Cheering them on, yeah. Okay. Cheerleaders. Yeah, and as long as they're taking jello shots, they're good. Okay. I'm sure that's really helpful to the army. <laughs> um, they're supported as a little cheerleaders. That's nice. Um, the Cheerbringer Legion. Yeah. Aw, cute. You think that's in the Court of Nightmares? Yeah, I think so. Uh, may prove to the, so the army, Kier's army, may prove to be vital to the, the due to the sheer volume of Hybern's ranks, thanks to Pharaoh's intel retrieval. It's clear that this upsets more, but after trying to get Az and Cassian to side with her and failing, she admits defeat and agrees to go with Reese to the stupid hewn city. Ugh. He offers her to stay back, but she's not going to be a coward. No, she needs to go. It's apparent that Reese feels guilt over this choice, but he has to think of the safety of his people. Pharaoh wants to change the subject and brings up the, the idea of training with Cassian. She has to plan to learn how to fight, and Cassian is more than happy to teach her. Throughout most of this scene, Nesta is silent, but Feyre tries gently to invite her to train with them the next morning. No. The beat of silence was too pointed to be dismissed, but I gave my sister a casual shrug, reaching for the wine jug. Then I said to none of them in particular, I want to learn how to fly. Then more does a good old-fashioned spit take of wine Tui! when Feyre says that. Because I don't think all of them knew that she could produce wings. But, I mean, it makes sense. She's got the drips from all the drops. So. <laughs> She's got the drips and the drops. Yeah. And she, that's a Tamlin drop. Mm-hmm. It's Tamlin drips. Um, Although it would be sick that every time you got pissed off, if claws kind of showed between your knuckles, that would be pretty awesome. <laughs> Which knuckle do you—did we talk about this? Which knuckle do you think the claws are? Because there's a big debate. Here, like Wolverine, here, the middle knuckle, or from the fingernails? I would imagine that it's coming out from his knuckles because you could just see them like the little bits peek out whenever his hand is clasped. So I wondered, like, because they've talked about his hand being clasped before when you see the claws pop out. So I would assume they're coming out of the knuckles, the top knuckles. Okay. I kind of always have envisioned it the the middle knuckle. Okay. I don't know. That probably is a stupid place for them. I don't know why I think that. I mean, better for the digging. (laughs) A dig? A dig if you're getting into big, you know, if they're making like sand castles or something like that, that would be really, really helpful. Mm. Or gardening. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, Rather than having to put on those gloves, Mm. those little bear claw gloves. I miss gardening. Oh, Oh God. I'm the sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. All right. Okay. Um, I'll just keep saying it. All right. Because I just want to be a meatball. I I just want to be a meatball and I want to have baby meatballs. Whoa. Really? Um, Actual meatballs, not children. Oh, you just want (laughs) (laughs) to. No. No, I just want to be able to birth meatballs so I don't have to make them anymore. And then I'm just like, pop, whenever I want a meatball, (laughs) I just pop them out of the old 
ball freezer and uh, pop them into the air fryer. I think that's some less. It's more of an oven in there, isn't it? Yeah. What I well, I got you. Got to keep them up to temp, or else it's gonna go bad, <laughs> Natalie. So no, it's more of a. It's difficult for Jeff, but no, my pussy is more of a freezer. Okay. <laughs> wow. That is. Maybe you are from Christmas Town. Oh my God! <laughs> I'm the Santa Claus boy. <laughs> oh God! Okay, <laughs> that's so many different things. Um, <laughs> um, so Lucian, of course, knows about the wings from the time that she did. Sometimes when you stuck it down into darkness. Yes. Um, but suddenly Nestra, Nestra, suddenly Nesta is interested. She says, "What wings?" Then Faber goes on to explain she can shapeshift for everyone who doesn't know. That she was she wants to be able to have any advantage she can in the coming war and that if she can fly, it's just one more advantage she might have. Yeah, dude. I mean, if you've got the uh, like option for wings, learn how to use the wings. Right. And all of the bat boys are like, they're encouraging, but they're they're kind of saying, Well, we're not sure if you can learn before the war, but Reese steps in and says it won't hurt her to learn as much as possible. So they all kind of look at each other again, like, who's gonna do this? Asriel tucked in his wings, his beautiful features uncharacteristically soft, contemplative. I'll teach you. Oh, oh, Asriel. <laughs> oh, that shadow singer. Oh, there is, like, especially because we, like, don't know that much about him so yet. Mysterious. So mysterious. Um, but he's got to be, like, just as amazing as all that. Like, that's why I can't wait to get to know him. They have We have one POV of his from the uh, bonus chapter, and that's all we got. We know he likes to masturbate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! And I will think about it. I will think about it. Do you think he comes, Shadows? Ugh. I don't know. That, that would be badass. I Can you imagine know. Shadows going like, whoa. And just like these like, and that's just like Casper the ghost, but like an adult Casper the ghost that comes out. I I would be, I don't want that on me though. Like, do you want that, that. Uh, being covered mm, in shadows? I don't really want a mysterious liquid to come out of it. <laughs> I want to know what it is. I guess you're right. I say like this would be great, but if I didn't know he came shadows and then he came shadows all over me, that would be very scary. But what if the shadows are sentient and their mo- main task is to get inside of you? So then they come out. But then I then- have shadows in me and that's awesome. What if it's filled with babies? Ah, uh, what if it's meatballs instead? <laughs> what if it's meatballs? If I could choose meatballs or babies, I choose meatballs. Mm, okay. <laughs> Just want everyone to know this. So maybe his, his shadow come with meatball sperm. Yes, yeah. Okay. With the, Got it. It's like just like ground beef pustules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Now we're now we're cooking. Now fire. we're cooking. <laughs> it's here that as gently reminds Feyre that he learned to fly much later than the Illyrian children due to his captivity by his mean father. Ugh. Most Illyrians learn as toddlers, but he had to teach himself later on when he was finally released. I will say all this talk about rather meatballs and babies, but how cute would it be for an Illyrian toddler to learn how to fly? I mean, adorable. That would be really, really cute. But meatballs. Meatballs. Meatball with wings? <laughs> Bat wings would be cute. Yeah! And they could fly to my mouth. Yeah. I meet my babies! <laughs> Very nature of you. Yeah. Um, Very nature. Yeah. I've watched a couple of them documentaries before. Yeah. (laughs) 
So he would, <laughs> so he might be better at teaching someone who didn't have it ingrained in them as a child. Reese and Feyre both feel sorrow and rage at this admission from Az because it's him referencing the torture he endured through his brothers as well. That's why he's a moody boy. He is moody. So they agree upon it. Feyre trains with Cassian in the morning and then takes flying lessons in the afternoon. And this is my dream life. My only job is to learn skills. I am the Napoleon Dynamite of women, in case you didn't know that. I love learning skills. I wish this was my whole job. What's your favorite skill that you've learned? Oh, um, I mean, I'm going to have to say Ariel because I love my Ariel mm. arts. But um, also, I love sword sword fighting. I love uh, bow staff. Uh, I love um, pl- manipulating fire. I love. Whoa. Does that uh, mean you can do it with your mind? Uh, not yet. I'm trying. Dude. Please teach me if you know how to manipulate it with your mind. I will. I'll work on it and I'll let you know. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yes, so Feyre uses this moment of bravery that she's like made these deals with the boys and she said, I want to learn how to fly and like really asserted herself. And then she turns to Nesta and gives it to her straight. Listen, Hybern is using the cauldron to gain power over the human land and by and by shattering the wall with it. And they have no reunification plan in place. It will be a massacre of the humans. She may be able to help assist them in patching up the wall, strengthening it, because she went into the cauldron. And perhaps it helped create the— And because the cauldron helped create the wall, she got a mouthful of it. And maybe she has some of the magics. Yes. Amarin steps in and says that she has the ability to train Nesta and that they will both join the group when they go to the Hewn City to ask Kier about his army, which isn't a big old thing because Amarin doesn't usually go to the Hewn City. No. And everyone's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know if we should be bringing Nesta and Amarin to the Hewn City. Mm. But Amarin says they have a huge giant, they have a giant collection of cauldron made objects and that she can begin to teach Nesta there. So Nesta doesn't, like, immediately shut it down, which is good. Surprise. Yeah. But she's silent for a while. Then she asks, after she, I guess, maybe thought about it, she asks, what happened to the mortal queens? And everyone's like, what? She, and then she goes, she wants to know if they've been made immortal. And the truth of it is that all of them don't actually know at this point. They're not sure what happened to the queens after that day in Highburn. So then Cassian sort of, like, Hesitantly goes like, why are you asking? Nesta's eyes shot right to his face. She spoke quietly to me, to all of us, even as she held Cassian's gaze as if he were the only one in the room. By the end of this war, I want them dead. The kings, the queens, all of them. Promise me you'll kill them all, and I'll help you patch up the wall. I'll train with her. A jerk of her chin to Amran. I'll go to the Hewn City or whatever it is. I'll do it, but only if you promise me that. I Fair's like, okay. Sure, yeah, we'll, we'll kill whoever you want. Sure. She then tells Nessa that she will also need to give her her to she will also need her to give her testimony to the other lords so that they understand the gravity of the situation. You can think you could you you can tell that Feyre thinks this is a throwaway question, that it's so much less daunting than patching up the wall. But Nesta immediately bristles and answers no. 
Feyre contemplates whether she should use her sister's voice, her sisterly voice or her high lady voice to try to appeal to Nesta's reason. She says, it may save lives if you give your testimony. And Nesta says, absolutely not. She's clearly very angry now and tells Feyre she has no idea what went on in there. None. And she she says she's not going to gravel like one of those children of the blessed, begging high Fey who would have gladly killed me as a mortal to help. And she says she's not going to tell them her story. And I think, though no one meant harm, I do think it's understandable and perhaps SJM is comparing this to someone's assault and how no one is owed giving out their trauma to people. So that people sometimes feel entitled because it's difficult. Everybody should have the right to their own story or not, even though sometimes like your story may or may not help criminal things. But it should be your choice to tell that story. You've already been violated. You don't want to be violated in this other way on top of it. So this has obviously upset Nesta enough that she gets up from the table, but not before issuing a scathing warning to stay away from her daughter's sister, Elaine. This is that she's not to be approached about telling her story either. And I mean, there's not a lot of chance of that happening anyway because she's just been staring out a she's window. just staring out that window, dude. I don't think we're going to get her to tell the story. No. But it is kind of like, then you start to think, what did happen in the cauldron? Something. Something, Something crazy upset happened him. in there. I wonder what happened. Yeah. Well, because they're not even talking to them or like Mm-mm. their friends or their family about it either, which is also, again, like you said, very, you know, if you've gone through a traumatic event, it's all in your own time of when you you should never feel forced to tell Mm-mm. your story. But, I mean, you also got to work through it at some point and hopefully Nessa will get to that point. She's because not good at it. Something's going on in there. I wonder if Elaine and Nesta have even spoken to each other about it. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it, too. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Justin and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. As dinner is ending, Reese asked Feyre down the bond to walk with him along the Sidra. This will be the first time they've really had alone time since she snapped at him. She's always pushed back against him, but Feyre reflects on how this is the first time that it's been witnessed by so many people as his wife and high lady. Because also, like, he's been a high lord for a lot longer than you've been a high lady. I feel like that that was, like, I understand she was upset, but, like, I know that we talked about this last time, but fighting with your partner in front of other people and also pulling the high lady card is, like, it is a bit of a slap in the face, but I understand where she's coming from. Well, and they, they decide to discuss this here because Feyre's yes. feeling very guilty about it. Um, and she has no idea what Reese is thinking. He could be mad. He could be, you know, apologetic. So as they walk, Feyre notices that there are still the scars of the attack left on the buildings, the streets, the people from when Highburn infiltrated. But there is still light and joy there. They walk in silence for a long time just through their city, watching everybody go about their night as they mull over all of the decisions that they will have to make in the coming weeks. As they come across the restaurant where they had dined that first night, Favor went out into the town with them all. They smile at its relative unharm, that there are still people inside enjoying their evening. They lean against a railing across the way and watch it. Reese makes a tentative joke about Nesta, the whole reason Feyre snapped at him earlier. And this time she sort of concedes that, yes, Nesta can be a bit bloodthirsty. And perhaps she and Amron will be blood brothers because of it. Yeah, so blood brothers, blood sisters, uh, lovers. We don't know. What's going to happen? Don't even bring up Nesta and Amron as lovers, please. You'll delight me until I die. I think it would sound like... When cats are in heat in, you know, in the in the night, in the summers, and you're just here like. If someone's coming shadows, it's Amron. You think she's coming shadows? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, we'll ask Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so, when she comes over and we have our sleepover. She's like, what's everybody's come? <laughs> and then we talk about the astrological signs. Um, <clears throat> I think Amron's a cancer. But I don't think they have the same full zodiac. Well, we have to compare them to the human ones. Okay, okay, okay. Reese then begins to address the awkwardness between him and Farah. Because while Farah had every right to defend her sister, she is exceptionally rude to everyone, including her mate. And I do think that he has a right to make note of that. Yes. She seems to understand seems to understand that more now. She asks him how he balances being a friend to his circle while also being a leader. And he says it's never easy. And he lets her know that even after centuries, he still makes bad calls sometimes. Feyre laments over the flippant way she asked Nesta to share her privacy with strangers. That Nesta is a private person in the best of circumstances. Especially, like, thine enemy. And yes, I'm saying thine enemy again. Because, like, you don't want to give that to Kier. 
Oh, yeah, totally. No. Yuck. Like, and Feyre should realize that. Kira's already such a monster. Yeah. So finally they reach the sticking point. The fight. Reese says he didn't mean to insult Nesta. Feyre says she's sorry for snapping at him. And he says he doesn't, that she doesn't need to be sorry. But she insists that she didn't want to undermine him in front of people. And this harkens back to how she was to behave with Tamlin. So she kind of addresses like, well, I'm not supposed to speak back to you because you're the high lord. And Reese makes it clear that that is not the way here with them, Uh, that she's a high lady and they uh, are equals, that she should remember that. uh, Then she goes on to say that she wants to appear as a unified front when they are together, however. So she appreciates what he's saying, but also says, listen, in these early years, we really need to come across together. And just so happens that they have an internal dialogue so they can use that when they're arguing. Man, that's so much easier. I wish I had an internal dialogue with my partner. I know, but it is funny because if you are in an argument and you have your internal dialogue in front of everybody, it's sort of just like you're both going like, like, I would make little murmurs as well. Everybody's just standing around knowing you're having <laughs> no, a fight. Like you're so. having a fight. <laughs> um, so, but she, you know, they, they agree that they will have disagreements. And he says, you should push back against me. Sometimes I make bad choices. And that that's okay to push back. But let's maybe, she says, well, let's do it internally for at least the, the time being so that we they see us as one. They're, they So they all made up through this scene as it continues. Their love is shining through. Their, the awkwardness is gone. And Feyre offers a piece of advice to him to be careful working with Kier. Reese knows this, obviously, but he's so torn because he also feels as though he doesn't really have a choice. But he will, you know, always keep his guard up when working with him. They talk about all the all of the people that they're in feuds with currently who are going to potentially show up to the Lord's like meeting, meetup. It is crazy that he kind of has to get Kier's permission to use his armies. I know. They are his. So it's like it does go like it goes to show, too, that even though Kier is his and thine enemy, yeah. that he still treats him with the respect of like, no, these are your, you are in charge here. So I am going to defer to you and yeah. ask you for permission, which is like. Also, like, a really cool thing for a High Lord to do. It's really awesome. I know. Uh, I love Reese. I love Reese. <laughs> also, he is a clever High Lord and knows that Kier is, be, is more prone to playing dirty pool. And so he has to play yeah, a little bit by his rules. He's diarrhea in the hot tubs. This is the problem. It's Kier's fault that we have to ever always hear about the diarrhea in the hot tubs. Oh, <laughs> You know, like on the hot tub Uh, signs when it's like, and if you've had diarrhea for up to four days before this, don't come in the hot tub. Yeah, that's Kier's fault. Blame it on Kier. Thanks, Kier, with your dirty pool. With his dirty pool. Um, And so Reese is aware of his tendency to shit in the pool. And he says, you know, I he kind of needs to play his game a little bit to get mm. him to not shit in the pool. Yes. <laughs> um, so. <laughs> Slap that diapy on him, Reese. Mm-hmm. A water diapy, please. 
A water diaper? Is that a thing? Oh, yeah. They got they got waterproof diapers so that, you know, the kids aren't just... Shit that's why, you know what doesn't do that? Meatballs. They might fall apart in the pool a little bit, but... There will be loose meat in the pool. Yeah, so. but... Would you rather loose meat in the pool or a bunch of diarrhea? Um, that As is she really, asks the vegetarian. It's a real Sophie's <laughs> choice. <laughs> Technically, the shit probably also has meat in it. Oh, yeah. And it's smellier. So I might say meat. Okay, well, yeah. I'm just glad that we know these answers. Yeah, it's important. Reese. So Reese goes on to assure her that there will be nothing but wards up for everyone at this Lord's meeting because she's a little worried. Like, all of these half-hostile courts are going to be all together, but he says none of them are crazy enough to actually attack there because it would just destroy the entire island. And they also have the shared interests of Prithian because they want to, you know, protect it from Highburn. Even Tarquin, who's got rubies on him. Oh, no. Though they're not even sure who will agree to come together, Feyre volunteers to help Nesta and Amran do research into what will take to what what it will take to patch up the wall, and asks Reese to take her to the best library in Valaris, which we'll see coming up shortly. She then questions how he feels about Lucian, and he confirms that he trusts him enough that he has too much to lose if he betrays them, and. Not only his precious mate is there, but he also got no place else to go. He's got nowhere to go. Favor then admits to herself that she's not even sure if she trusts Lucian. And I'm like, girl, you know he's fine. You know he's a good man, a good fae. Like, he's never done anything that untrustworthy. He just gave too much deference to Tamlin. That was the main problem with Lucian. Man, remember that night that he held you after your nightmare? I'll never forget. Well, that was all in her <laughs> yeah, yeah, games. Yeah, it was like part of her games. But still, he was willing to help her and was like still, you know, on her side. He was. Even though he was like, I shouldn't be hugging her with no shirt on, probably. Yeah, but I can dream about it. <laughs> <laughs> I can dream about you. Technically, this is a way less creepy version of uh, Jacob imprinting on the baby that <sighs> Lucian loves Feyre, but then made it to her adult sister. Adult sister, yes. Mm. Not the eggs that live inside of her. Ugh. That's why he was always attracted to Bella because of her ovaries. Because of her eggs. <sighs> Um, she then thinks about it and is like, you're probably right, but that he probably wouldn't have left if not for Elaine, which is true. But ultimately, it's really good for his own sake that he did leave the spring court because Tamlin was spiraling and Lucian, it seems, would have let him do it. And also he could have gotten hurt in the process because I imagine like Lucian probably at some point would have been like, hey, Tamlin, why don't you stop ripping everything apart? And then he would have gotten hurt. Tamlin just explode in rooms all the time. <sighs> Chapter yeah. 19 opens uh, with Feyre preparing to train with Cassian and is reminiscing over her morning um, activities, Ooh. her warm-up, if you will, with Rizond. You got to get ready for the day somehow. That she saw, <laughs> hey, that she yeah. saw him asleep and couldn't keep her hands to herself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rizond in the morning was... I didn't have words for what it was when he was unhurried and lazy and wicked, when his hair was still mussed with sleep and his eyes got that glazed, purely male gleam in them. They'd still had that lazy, satisfied glint a moment ago, 
and his mockingly chaste kiss on my cheek had sent a red-hot line through me. Whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Man, really, honestly, that just got me all like, whoa. Um, then Cassie obviously can scent the old bay spice on her from their coupling when she walks out. And so he kind of teases her about it. And she says, two Illyrian males making me sweat in one morning. What's a female to do? Damn. I really love her and Cassian's friendship, though. Truly an easy pairing. The two genuinely seem to enjoy each other's company in like a safe and nurturing way, but it's very fun so that she can kind of like needle him in that way. I don't know why, but I always have this weird image of like Sully and Boo from Monsters, Inc. When I think of that, I think just because Cassian is such a big like, yeah, I think this is a big old man. I think I'm calling him a himbo and I'm sorry. How, why you say sorry? Himbos are my favorite kinds. <laughs> I'm married to a himbo. But he's very smart. He's also very smart. And he knows a lot about history. So himbos can be smart. He knows how to make everything. Like he, anytime we have house problems, Henry and I are like, Jeff, can you, you help fix us? it? Yeah, he's a big old handyman. That's why whenever he gets out his hammers, I go, yeah, nail away. Nail away. You be banded something later on. <laughs> and I just. Sammy. <laughs> Sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. I, uh, uh, but they get into their, so they get into their first rounds of punching for the morning. And it becomes clear that Cassian is kind of perturbed about something. He soon reveals that he's still kind of hung up on the fact that when she went into Highburn's castle to try to break the cauldron, he didn't know that she had been anointed high lady. Uh, none of them did. It was a secret that she and Reese had kept. She's kind of confused about what the difference is. And he explains that in his sort of himbo way that it, the way it works for him and probably all Illyrians is that while he would have protected Feyre regardless, that as his high lady and not just his brother's mate, it was also his responsibility, not just Rizan's. And I kind of get what he's saying. Even yeah. Though, you know, it wouldn't have really made a difference, in, I think, but it's like the but difference. But to the Illyrian warrior, it does make a difference. Yeah. Like, it, I think it's the difference between going as an ally alongside them and and then instead knowing that you're the secret service yeah. for the high lady, if that makes sense. That you are in charge of her safety. And like yeah. that, I, I, I completely see the difference of what it means to him where like it wouldn't mean it wouldn't be as like devastating for us. But I was a little more so. Or do you think that Rizan did that on purpose so that like. Also to show that Feyre could take care of herself. I think it was more. My guess they just ran be, out of time. I think it was more that that was something that he didn't want to reveal as they were doing this terrible task to Highburn. Yeah. Like, I think he wanted to keep it away from everyone as much as possible. Because um, as we'll learn, perhaps in this episode, Reese sometimes doesn't tell his secrets to anyone in the inner circle. Um, so because he has to protect them too. Yes, but sometimes he takes on too much. He does uh, because he's <sighs> such a good high lord. But sometimes you have to learn how to delegate. I know that's part of the problem of being a high lord is is learning how to delegate and to share the burden. And heavy hangs the the head. Head does the, the crown. <laughs> And then he goes on to say that she cannot do this thing that Reese does, where 
Reese tries to take everything on, like we were just saying, alone, that like Feyre can't start doing this as well, that going off to the spring court all alone was too much. We were all terrified for you. And she said that she just managed fine there. And Cassian says that he knew that she would, but that he goes on kind of to to reveal that it is more because Reese pulled that shit 50 years ago when he went off to, you know, do the um, he was going to take out uh, Amarantha and that on his own. And he didn't tell any of them what he was doing. And that was the party where he got trapped for 50 years. And then she suddenly realizes, oh, that this was scary for him. Yeah. He was scaled. But also good for Cassian for bringing up. It's got to be really difficult to bring up when you're scared about something, especially as a big, hot Illyrian warrior. It's brave. It makes us fall in love with Cassian even more. He's got feelings and emotions. Oh, my God. He's not just a brute. (sighs) Oh, she's... (laughs) <laughs> then Cassian goes on to recount to her that moment when he got the message mind to mind that that Rizal was trapped that they were all to hide and protect the land and tied their hands so they couldn't go get him that that's an Illyrian's favorite thing to do is go get people and he couldn't do it he couldn't really save sad. him Varys touched and reminds him that he found her when he needed her most in the winter court and that ice field the uh, pond the ice Yes. On the ice. On the lake. A frozen lake. I need more coffee. (laughs) (laughs) On the ice pond. Ice. The ice. Ice pond. Floor. Um, As they're having this moment, she sees ass. (laughs) It was said Assians. (laughs) As they're having this moment, she sees Cassian's eyes flick upward towards something behind her and gain a, quote, predatory gleam. Sploosh. And they have a little mouse joining them now. My sister was in a dress of pale blue that turned her skin golden, her hair swept up, her back a stiff column. I find this scene interesting because we never fully learn why Nesta came up here. And though she's never given that information up, one could surmise that it's because she's quite curious about the fight training, Mm. which may or may not come back around. Nesta and Cassian begin their repartee, which is pretty much the only way they communicate. Barb for barb, they just snipe at each other. Feyre panics and starts to reach down the bond to Reese, who is away for the morning. The reason that she wants to leave, it's fair, because their fighting usually just dances on the edge of sexual tension. And I can imagine wanting to get a fuck away from that. Yeah, especially from your sister and this yeah. big hot dude. to be like, what did you guys have in the afternoon? Yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reese is rather amused at Feyre's pleading to be released from this. They flirt mind to mind, mm. and then Reese lets her know that he's in a meeting with all the 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 folks who are in charge with of Valaris, so he can't save her. But he he tells her he sent the second prettiest face next to his own to take her away. Moments later, Azriel shows up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and is like, "Uh, we are now. I'm going to start early now." Very slick. Oh, yeah. Asriel's so, like, for a shadow singer, you'd think he'd be better at coming in and saving someone from a situation <laughs> rather than, like, uh, start. 
We I, have I go now. Start. <laughs> I guess, you know, I say that I wish that I could do mind to mind with Jeff, but like if I were in a situation like that, I probably would start text flirting with him instead so that I could like have someone to take my mind off of things. Yeah. So yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Ezreal swoops her up and takes her away to this nearby lake so that she can begin to practice flying with these flappy wings she's got. But somewhere where falling won't hurt as badly because she's going to not be able to fly very much for a while. This is not the first one-on-one Feyre's had with Az, but during these scenes of her training to fly with him, their friendship is really developed, and we get a little more of an idea of who Azriel is. He's so quiet and stoic most of the time, it's hard to gauge whether he's happy or kind or fun or any of those things. But if Cassian and Reese love him, you have to assume he's not a bad guy. That's the thing. And he's a part of the family. So he must like let loose every once in a while. I want to see it. That'll be cute. But still, what's it like behind blue eyes? Behind blue eyes. Oh, oh. (laughs) When they touch down, Feyre realizes with a bit of embarrassment that she has to now procure the wings, which she has not practiced. They came out when she was in fight mode that time with uh, Lucian in the forest, but it's now it's going to be more of a challenge. I personally find this section really interesting as like kind of an anatomy kinesiology nerd. Like as she's describing the wings manifesting and all the weight of them pulling on the different muscle groups. I like, try to like feel it. Imagine which part of the back and core would be con- controlling wings. Whoa. And how? that'd be cool. What do you think you have to flex to make them go? I think under your scapula would be a lot of it. But you Where's also, that? Is that my brain? Yeah, it's in your brain. Oh, shit. Right under here. So back there. And I think you'd have to kind of manipulate your scapula, but also like... Slightly hump? I think you Slightly need hump. some of your trapezius muscles. Whoa, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> And you definitely need your core. Um, mm. Isn't this exciting, Tevron? Uh, so, yes. Uh, I actually, I'm, I can see in a not so distant future where this is a thing people will be able to modify, like on their bodies. I feel like that. But will do you be think that thing. they'd be able to achieve flight? I don't know, but I think that I could see them being an aesthetic. Yes, I could see that. Um, I mean, you can get your ears to actually look like this. It's true. Like, actually, our friend many, Sonia has yes, elf ears. You know, so there's many things that you can do. Um, so it'd be kind of fun. As she's growing them, Feyre is dripping with sweat at the exertion. It's a it's a cool image of her making the wings and as like sort of observing and making notes about how to form parts of it better. After Az is satisfied with her wing growth, he compliments her, saying that it's her painting that has helped her form them. Whoa! Because of the attention to detail that she has. Yeah, that's what it is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if painting is going to lead you to be able to be good with moving the muscles in your back. I guess he means that she had to manifest them. Maybe use your memory. them. Yeah. Um, she blushes and she's like, oh, me painting? Oh. And, uh, and then asks what, what happens next. And I think she's assuming they'd just start flapping into the air. But as is sort of going, no, you got to do, you know, you got to do the bunny hill first. You got to learn how to make a, a pizza and French fries. Skiing? Skiing? Um, Wait, are there pizzas when it comes to skiing? 
Yeah, you have to learn how to. I'm actually a snowboarder, but I have seen oh. the ski instructions. And I know that French fries is little kids. It's when they're pointed forward. And then pizza is whenever you're getting yourself to break. Whoa, French fries and pizza. So they're sort but of. You don't get to eat the pizza or the French fries. I mean, afterwards, you're very hungry, so I hopefully. bet you are. See, when it comes to skiing, I'm definitely more the one that sits in the cabin, but I will make everyone food by the, the time they're is, done. Lodge is fun as hell. Yeah, I, I want to be a fireplace. Be a, yeah, I'm just a lodge bitch. Yeah, you're a lodge bitch. I love it. Thank you. Um, but that's sort of the phase that they're at with flying. So he's basically more, you got to learn the elements about what functions each part serve and the etiquette and all that stuff. And that's the uh, point shoes is the closest thing I have to reference this. So like, you know, you got to like, how do you hold them? Yeah. How do you spread them out and close them? And like, you can't let them drag on the ground. That's very disrespectful. Yeah. And also like, I imagine they're very sensitive. So it probably wouldn't feel good either. No. And uh, yeah, so that's what they're basically doing. And she, here, Feyre notes that she only has now noticed that she, that he really that As has a dry sense of humor, that he's sudden he's subtly funny, and maybe not everyone realizes that that he's instructing her very firmly, but is also gentle and kind and funny. Oh, okay, we'll fall in love with him too. Just making sure everybody's also horned up enough for Asriel. Uh, I love that. They do make sure that everyone is also horny for different ways for each of the bad boys. I know. And I appreciate Isn't that, that nice? So she tries and tries, but it's really just too much for her physically. And he says that she needs to go back and train with Cassie more to build up her core strength. But she's already wondering if it's a waste of time because it seemed almost impossible. Chapter 20 opens with Rizan leading Feyre to a never-before-seen library that exists deep in the mountains under the House of Wind. She tells him she's never been to a real library, and it sounds like in her poor provincial town, they didn't exist. But I thought that she loved the books. She didn't know how to read yet, remember? Yeah, I was thinking of Belle. Belle, yeah. <laughs> Belle knows how to read. Yes, she. they've got a library. Yes, they do. That's right, in the song. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the so the human libraries did exist, but they sound like they were more in the the uh oh, the con- main the continent. mortal lands down here. And then as they discuss Fey libraries, Reese mentions that even before the war, Fey kept the humans from far away from their books because they were worried that humans would use their magic against them. And he reveals an interesting tidbit. Some humans have magic capabilities. Like us? Yeah. We have them? Yeah. Us. Yes. Yes. That there may they may have had some fey bloodlight somewhere in history, and then Feyre asks uh, about the fey human interbreeding, which is something that we see a lot in the other series, Crescent City. No spoilers. That's why I even brought up Medwitch before. Then I was like, oh, are there Medwitches in this, or are there Medwitches in Crescent City? I think it's just Crescent City. Yeah, I think they just have healers here. Yeah. Um, it's because I'm in the second Crescent City book, so I, I get them kind of confused. I know it's hard because sometimes there are crossovers. Um. But yeah, so without any spoilers, it's an integrated world in Crescent City. Fae and humans live sort of together. Um, so curious. But Reese says in his lifetime, the offspring of those unions were treated very poorly on both sides of the wall after the war. That they were re- hated by the humans due to their, you know, 
lingering hatred for the Fae for all of the slavery they did. But in the Fae world, they were often rejected so harshly that they were forced into prostitution. Sheesh. Yikes. Sheesh. It sounds like sort of a, like an, a, a sort of apartheid. Mm. Feyre is concerned with the war coming on, but Reese assures her that both human and Fae will be offered refuge in the night court if they are displaced. They had this conversation as they walked the halls leading through the mountain, winding around to this like new place that Feyre's never been inside the mountain before until they reach a set of doors. And Feyre realizes that the person standing in the doorway to greet them is a priestess dressed exactly like Ianthi. She has a moment of panic, but Reese quickly explains that the library is filled with priestesses, that they are unique and special. He doesn't explain further in that moment, instead introducing Feyre to Clotho, which all I can think about is Vince Clortho from Ghostbusters, mm. which is the demon that possesses Rick Moranis because TV rotted my brain growing up. Yes. Um, we were raised by television. Is that so wrong? We all were. We we're a whole generation raised by television. I was primarily raised by Dan Aykroyd. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's been weird. <laughs> been weird. Did you get any of that skull vodka? We do have it. Whoa, you were raised by Dan Aykroyd. Um, so Clotho, she keeps herself hidden behind her hood and Feyre doesn't get a glimpse of her face. We soon learn that she also does not speak, but she is a head librarian of sorts. After the introductions, Clotho gestures towards the actual library and Feyre takes her first gander. It was as if the base of the mountain had been hollowed out by some massive digging beast, leaving a pit descending into the dark heart of the world. Around that gaping hole, carved into the mountain itself, spiraled level after level of shelves and books and reading areas leading into the inky black. From what I could see of the various levels as I drifted toward the carved stone railing overlooking the drop, the stacks shot far into the mountain itself, like the spokes of a mighty wheel. So without giving anything away, the library ends up playing a big part in these stories, almost taking on the role of a character at times. Yeah. I don't think it's any mystery as to why a writer would make a library so like integral to a story. Um, but you get a sense that uh, Sarah J. Moss may be herself found solace and healing side of libraries in her life. She speaks of them very reverently. Yes. And it is a place of protection and safety yeah. for the people in the books as well. So I imagine it was a place that, you know, I mean, you can escape your reality. You can go and sit and read and pretend like whatever's happening in your real life, you ain't got to deal with it for a while. And isn't that a magical place no matter what? You can always go to the library. It doesn't fit in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I was with you. I was like, oh, where are we going? Brary. No. <laughs> no. no, no, you can shove it in there. Yeah. Library. Library. <laughs> uh, as Pharaoh looks down at the all, all the spiraling levels, she realizes the bottom is shrouded in complete darkness. No light lines the path to suggest what is down there in the darkness. 
She asks, and it turns out Reese also doesn't know why. Interesting. I find it funny that Reese is so unbothered by how many, how little he knows about all the monsters that live around him. He's just so accustomed to it. Like, same with Amron. I don't really know anything about her. I just don't know if I guess should ask. I just know that there, it's like a really crazy, powerful monster of some sort. But I guess if you're surrounded by so many of them that you, you do just get used to it, and wouldn't that be nice? I think it's kind of fun where you're just like, yeah, there's a mystery down there. I don't have time. <laughs> well, he's got so many other things to deal with. I know. But whatever's down there once upset Cassian so much that he refuses to speak of it since he went down to the bottom on a dare long ago. As Reese regales favor with stories about their through their mind speak as they're going through the library, because, of course, they have to be very quiet as, as Clotho's leading them through the winding stacks of tomes. Um, this is all like things that are, you know, she's basically explaining the history of it that he is connected to with the library. Um, so. As they pass, they're going through all these books. There's all these beautiful sitting areas. Also, and great date to go to a library together. I really like going to libraries with um, someone that you can kiss amongst the stacks. Well, a great one. If you ever make it to downtown L.A., there's one called The Last Bookstore. Um, oh, you can get a lot of kissing done in there. It's really cool. And it's not affiliated with LPN because it sounds like The Last Bookstore on the left. It's not. It's just called The Last Bookstore. Yes. Um. And you definitely should give that a place to visit. It's like it's a bookstore, but it's sort of half like fantastical at the same time. It's hard mm. to explain, but it's very winding. It's a good place to go for. Um, Actually, Jeff and I did go there on our second date. I'm not surprised. It is a good like, especially if you just moved to L.A. and I hadn't been there yet. And he's like, I'm going to take you to the last bookstore. And it was a cute date. And we did kiss amongst the books. Oh, I forgot about that until just now. So thank you, Natalie, for the reminder. I hope that he proposed before you kissed. Oh, of course. I mean, you can't consummate with mine mouth. Um, so three levels into their descent with Clotho, Reese and Feyre are taken to an already set up area for them to search for an air, like answers on how to patch up the wall. So the librarian priestesses have like kind of set this all up for them and we get some excellent environment porn. A neat stack of paper was set to one side, along with an assortment of pens, and the reading lamps were at full glow, merry and sparkling in the gloom. A silver tea service gleamed on a low-lying table between the two leather couches before the grumbling fireplace, steam curling from the arched spout of the kettle. Biscuits and little sandwiches filled the platter beside it, along with a fat pile of napkins that subtly hinted we used them before touching the books. Okay, fine, I want to go! Yes! As Clotho leaves, we learn that she's been through... Something terrible because Feyre sees her hands for the first time and notices that her fingers are mangled so badly that magic wasn't able to fix them. Like they're all like sticking in different directions. That's all that's visible of her skin. And when Clotho walks away, Reese explains that she was brutalized by a group of males long ago. Moore brought her here to this library afterwards and then went out and found the men and presumably torture porn them to death. Reese alludes to that. I do love that, like, like essentially Reese was like, yeah, I read her mind to find out who did it to her. And then we um, made them regret ever hurting anyone ever. And I, uh, there's something in me that's mm. just like, ooh, yeah, go get him, babe. Yeah, go get him. Go kill him. Yeah. Yeah. So they did that. And I know then- an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. 
I don't know. If you do if you do whatever they did to Clotho, I feel like you get what you get. I think you get what you get. But I did used to have that as a bumper sticker on my Hyundai Elantra when I was in college. You and did? I had the coexist sticker <laughs> no, as well. Jackie. well. You were such a hippie in college. Well, I've got a let it be tattoo. You almost, uh, you almost got a namaste tattoo. It's, thank God, a full back namaste tattoo I almost got. Wow. Very glad that I didn't. Man, but that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you go through stages in life, you know, that you grow past. I love that you had an eye for an eye bumper sticker. <laughs> It's so dumb. Why did I do that? Why did I, I have know, but that? it's better than what I had, which was a fear sticker, the band Fear, and it said on it, I don't care about you, fuck you. Guess what <laughs> cops don't like? <laughs> yeah, no, mine was definitely more peace. Hey, cops, peace. I'm just peace. Yeah. Don't put that on your car if you don't want to be pulled over. <laughs> BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We further learn that most of the priestesses are down here because of similar horrors that they experienced and that Reese has given them the library if they would like a place to heal and even live forever if they so choose. They control who is allowed in and out. It's sort of their sanctuary. Before Reese, he says it was just a place a few scholars worked, but then he basically handed them. They now control all of the library. Oh, I love Reese. He reveals to Feyre that he spent a long time here after he returned from under the mountain because he was one of them. 
And then he went there to heal. Yeah. Amongst the books. Amongst the books and the priestesses. The children love the books. It's from That's the line from Elf. But there's so many oh. lines from Elf that you should quote. But for some reason, I always think, the children love the books. Because um, he wants to take the books away from the kids. Um, You're right. He, he does say that. <laughs> but Reese will not take them away from the children. That's not what he is and who he does. No. We love you, Reese. But don't worry. We're right back to Hornytown. Well, I mean, when in library. They reminisce how Feyre couldn't read so recently. Now she's And that turns them on. You know, that, that gets them going. Read? Yeah, just, just that part. Just the front part of it. Oh, uh, remember when you were illiterate. Oh. Uh. He reminds her that his lessons were very helpful and that she now knows that he is the greatest lover a woman could ever hope for, which is what he used to make her right. <laughs> Soon they're about to basically start going at it in the library, Reese saying that he perhaps he'll, quote, haul her between the stacks and see how quiet she can be. Good Lord! <laughs> this scene is a, this scene where nothing happens still like, ooh, man, gets you, gets the loins a churning. He's a good seducer. uh, Suddenly, as Feyre's getting all heated up, he disappears. She's like, what? He like winnows away and she's like, whoa, where are you? And he says he's two levels down. She runs to the railing and peers over, seeing the top of his head sitting at a different table, telling her that he can't concentrate while she's wearing all that tight leather from her Illyrian training earlier. Wow, that sounds sexy as fuck. You know, for just a side note, I don't know if I want to wear Illyrian leathers while doing CrossFit. Especially if you're just learning how to do these things. Can't the Illyrian leathers come later? Guess not. Put on some leggings, you know? Don't you want to be able to move better? Or I guess you have to get used to the leathers so you start with it. I guess you just have to get used to it. Oh, can you imagine, like, the rashes you'd get as you sweat underneath and then just like... Hopefully you have a... Faye husband will rub oils on them. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he sort of like flaps his wings up and covers his head, which I think is a fun visual. Yeah, so he's, he's like, cute. I'm not looking at you right he's now. He's cute. They spend hours in the library and find a lot of conflicting information about the wall, but they do ascertain from the the research that the wall was always meant to be a temporary solution until they figured all of this out. But time went by and newer generations forgot to figure this whole thing out and just became the norm. So the wall was never intended to be a forever thing. They ruminate on this knowledge. Feyre asks Reese if he could beat the king in a battle of power one-on-one. And Reese bluntly says he's not sure. He may be able to, but the king is ancient and he may be hiding how strong he is. But he tells her that he will give himself in the fight. Like, all of himself. And she's like, no, Please you're don't. not. She insists that he stop the martyring shit, that she needs him, and they will find another way. And then she tells him that she has something else in mind, that even though they were not supposed to cross the book streams, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters raised by television, yes. She did, she did do it, and she thinks that she can handle using the power of the book together and perhaps harness some of it so that she can summon the things that go bump in the night. Mm. That's right. It's time for her to go back to the prison. No. Because she wants to ask the bone carver what he'd be willing to do in order to get sent back to wherever he came from. Uh-oh. She thinks that having the two sides of the book together might te- like help her do that. She yeah. Can learn. 
and get the bone carver on their side. The bone carver. They decide that Faber will take on this task with Cassian to go to the prison, that to send both Reese and her together would be too risky and too much of a show of hand. And so Feyre and Cassian decide to go the following morning. In the meantime, Feyre tracks down Amran and Nesta, who are beginning their frenemyship. Their friendship and me. Yeah, and then they start kissing, and then I'm shipping them. And oh, you're just, shipping them. Yeah, I'm shipping them. Amran is trying to teach Nesta some basics about the cauldron, and they're both having a, a bitch off. They're both sort of just like glaring at each other. Amran is annoyed that Feyre is prying into their business, but she manages to get out of Amran that they are practicing some basic shielding before they go to the Court of Nightmares. Feyre's, but Feyre's actually there to not to spy, but to she has an alternate reason. She very, very carefully eases into bringing up the prison to Amran. Just kidding. She kind of just goes, hey, Amran. I bet you didn't learn any of that stuff while you were in the prison because she's not smooth about mm. stuff. Because if you recall, Amryn used to – she came from the prison and she's one of the only things that's ever escaped from it. Nobody knows how she got out. And so Feyre's trying to like subtly ask her about the prison without telling her that they're going to do this. Um, she's not good at it though. No. And then Amryn just essentially says, I didn't really speak to anyone in their dumbass. What's the prison? Nesta asked at last. A hell entombed in stone, Amran said. Full of creatures, you should thank the mother no longer walk the earth freely. Nesta frowned deeply, but shut her mouth. Oh, thank the mother. Oof. That's the only way you can get her mouth to close, huh? Thank the mother. Feyre tries to ask who she's referring to which creatures they're thankful are no longer walking the earth. But Amran predictably tells her to kindly fuck off. As she's beginning to leave, we see the hint of why Amran and Nesta get along so well. So Amran snaps at Feyre to go find somebody else to gossip with, that if you want to go do that, go find one of the dogs. I'm sure Cassian's still sniffing around upstairs. <laughs> Don't call them the dogs, Amran. And then, but that makes Nesta almost smile. What? Can Nesta actually smile? I guess if they... They're bonding over being mean to Cassian. So I guess being mean to Cassian does make her smile. But it's fine. He likes it. He oh, likes course. He likes it. She's just going to sit behind him in class and just slap, slap him, him in the, the back head. of the head. Slap him, slap him, him back of the head. Yeah. yeah. Until he turns around and kisses her. <laughs> That's how it always worked out in our minds. <laughs> yeah, not in reality, though. Mm, yeah. As Feyre gets into the bath that Reese has lovingly drawn for her, she worries for more and how she will have to deal with her family the following day. That that night she has a nightmare about under the mountain, except her sisters are now in the place of Claire Better and the other Faye being tortured. She watches Reese follow Amarantha towards her chamber, and she's thrashing and thrashing in bed until Reese pulls her out of that terror. She jolts awake and starts to retch over the edge of the bed. She notes how Reese is perfectly fine with her puking onto the carpet as he rubs her back. As she settles, she wraps her arms around Reese to anchor herself into reality, to remember that he was there and safe. Do you so, think it quite means a difference that we? Oh yeah, than from Tamlin, and also I don't know. Have I ever not? I guess I've never really had an actual nightmare before. If I don't wake up puking, 
No, I've never woken up. I've never vomited from a nightmare. No. But, but I've also never been under a mountain. Yeah, that's true. Or gone through that kind, those kind of tests of strength. Yeah. No, I'm not puking. I'm puking sometimes in, in bed, but for different reasons. I mean, oh, not, not yeah. a long time. But Yeah. Tequila. Yeah, I did that just over the weekend. You puked? Yeah. After... We were together. Your party. Your party did it. <laughs> you did this yes! to me, Natalie. Yes. Not because I chose how much to drink, but because Natalie just, she put it in my brain. She made me drunk in my brain. I, I had no choice. I'm too fun. Yes. It's a problem. That's your problem. Chapter 22 opens with Feyre preparing to head to the prison with Cassian. She's shaken but, but talks out with Reese and feels lighter. Reese winnows her and Cassian to outside the prison. After issuing warnings to Cassian and him brushing it off, Reese leaves to meet with Az as they discuss strategies to work for this meeting, this Lord's meeting. As Cassian and Feyre start to make their way to the opening of the prison, Cassian makes it clear that if she really wants to do this, she needs to be prepared for a way to not just release the carver with the bargain, but to actually control him stateside up above the mountain. The yeah, because I'm pretty sure there's like a reason that he's tucked back away, probably. Um, not just, you probably don't want to just let him free. Right, and we're about to learn a little bit more about why he's in there. And he goes on to explain the mythology around the Carver is that it's believed by many that he's from this world, but before the Fae existed. That Whoa. he's an Yeah, that he's an old god and was imprisoned there because of his destructive nature. That simply, as the legend goes, no one alive today even knows how he got into the prison. But it could be said that he must have been one of the first there due to him being so deep inside the mountain. They reach the pit where he resides, and it, and the door reacts to Feyre's touch as she's been queened, high lady, High ladied. For Feyre, as the, the door swings open, for Feyre, the carver's visage... Remains the same. It's the little boy with the blue eyes. But then she realizes something. She's stunned. It's not just any boy. What? It's he has Reese's face and her father's mouth. Reese and her father had an affair. I was just about to say, oh, my God, how did you get him? Well, I mean, I guess he doesn't go anywhere very fast because he's all, you know, beaten up. And so he's just going to hobble away from him. But um, also, could you pick out your father's mouth? I can I can gladly say I don't know what my father's mouth looks like. I do, I will I kind of have my father's mouth and my brothers do so I can actually. So you know your father's mouth. Yeah. Wow, I don't know. I don't know whose whose mouth do I have? I'm calling Linda right now. <laughs> Linda, whose mouth do I have? I actually can't place Do it. I have your husband's mouth? <laughs> oh God! Do you see your husband's mouth here. Oh my God! <laughs> <This is> nightmare. <laughs> um. <laughs> now you're all, we're already in the court of nightmares. Sweetest bitch you'll ever meet. <sighs> no, this child is representing her and Reese's potential son. Oh, okay, not an affair. I was like, what a way to find out. The hair on her arms raises in goose flesh. He greets Feyre. That way, the creepy little children do. Oh, hello. Congratulations on your union. 
do have a bone for me. Oh, my God. Are you a five-year-old child, Natalie? In spirit. The transformation was gorgeous. Thank you. She does bring a bone for the bone carver. Whoa. Well, she's got Cassian with her. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Whoa. Wow! She ain't giving his bone over. Yeah, no. Keep it for yourself. Um, <laughs> she tosses the leftovers of the atter that she collected after he was splattered into the street, which is awesome. Atter got splattered. Then we learn something new. The carver says, I can smell my sister on you, curse breaker. My mouth went dry. His sister? Did you steal it from her? Did she weave a thread of your life into her loom? The weaver of the wood. My heart thundered. No breathing could steady it. Cassian's hand tightened around mine. Well, siblings. So he is related to the weaver. Do you think that they also have sex? Aww. That's just like their thing. Maybe that's why he has to stay so far away from her because he's worried that he'll touch her nether. Like the twins. Yes. Dag- Dagden and Pranach. Dagden and Pranach. Um, anyway, before they can begin, the carver does his creepy little thing and he starts in on Nesta. They didn't even try to come in to talk about Nesta, but he says he knows that Nesta stole something from the cauldron when she went in. What came out was not what went in. A rasping laugh as the carver laid a shard of bone on the ground beside him. How lovely she is. News of fawn and yet ancient as the sea. How she calls to you. A queen, as my sister once was. Terrible and proud. Beautiful as a winter sunrise. I just need to record this so that if I'm ever horny and I'm trying to not be horny, I could just play this and I'm like, well, I'll never be horny again. There it goes. (laughs) Thank you, Natalie, for your help. I'm insulted that you're not turned on by me as a child. (laughs) Thank God. What if it had unlocked something? Like, oh, no. Get me to therapy right now. <laughs> to therapy. Showing up I just in this outfit. just into shadows. <laughs> well, I just want to be covered in them anyway, so I may as well turn into them. I guess so. Cassian is frozen that all of this is coming out about Nesta. Feyre stops the carver and says that they have business to attend to. She attained the Book of Breathings, and there are spells within that might be able to send certain little monsters home. The carver is amused, but quickly shuts down that he wants to go anywhere. If you remember, you stare in the abyss too long, start stare back at you, right? Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to leave his little his little hovel. That's his home. Besides, he, think his, he thinks his original home may be nothing more than dust in the wind. Well, yeah, he's been in there for so long. Where are you going to go now? What are you going to go, like, build a house? Although if he started, if he got together with some sort of himbo that could build him a house, that would be kind of cute. Go I'd to, read that story. He'd go to, go to trade school. Oh, and he can learn to do it himself. Yeah. So then, so they're both like, oh, you don't want to leave. Great. So then as he says he doesn't want to leave his cell at all because they're, they're like, why don't you want to leave? He launches into this backstory. The carver traced three overlapping interlocked circles in the dirt. 
You have met my sister, my twin. The weaver, as you now call her. I knew her as Straiga. Straiga. She and our older brother, Koski. Koski. How they delighted in this world when we fell into it. How those ancient fae feared and worshipped them. Okay, so... You know where else we see these three overlapping circles <gasps> in Bryce Quinlan's necklace <gasps> in Crescent City? You know what that necklace is called? <gasps> the Archesian amulet, like Artron. I'm just saying. Whoa. So the three overlapping circles appears in both. And also, I feel like that's too close to Artron to not be connected somehow. Whoa. It just could be a connection. Whoa. You blow my mind right now, dude. Just saying. So the carver then reveals that he is hiding from his siblings in the prison, that he actually put himself in the prison because they are called death gods. At first, it seems like he won't play the game with Cassian and Feyre. Well, he doesn't want to leave the prison, so how am I going to convince him to help us fight? So frustrated, they start to leave. But then the carver doesn't actually want them to go. He's kind of toying with them. And he laughs about how they're about to go to the Hewn City. After teasing them some, he reveals what he wants. He does want something from them. His sister, the weaver, had a collection of mirrors long ago, one of them called the Ouroboros. And it's a window to all that there is to see. It sits in the Court of Nightmares. Bum, bum, bum! Under the watch of Kier. This is the carver's price if they would like his help. It's pretty clear this isn't going to be some case of picking a mirror up at Lowe's and dropping it off, you know? There's yeah, some, get it on Facebook Marketplace. Yeah. And it's obviously some form of trick or riddle or um, impossible task, but we'll have yet to see what that is. They leave. It's here that Cassian reveals he wanted to join her for another reason. He wanted to see if the carver would speak of Nesta if he knew anything. And Cassian says he just wants to help, but Pharaoh thinks he may have other reasons to know about Nesta's well-being. No personal vested interest or anything. Would you be frightened of her if Nesta was death or if her power came from it? Cassian was quiet for a long moment. He said at last, I'm a warrior. I've walked beside death my entire life. I would be more afraid for her to have that power, but not afraid of her. He considered and added after a heartbeat, Nothing about Nesta could frighten me. I swallowed and squeezed his hand. Thank you. Also, they were holding hands the entire time, which just makes me want to die on the inside, but, like, in the best way possible. Yeah. Part, I mean, it was to, like, so they didn't die. But. Can you imagine how rough his hands are? Probably calloused. I hear a lot of their hands are calloused. Oh, yeah, I bet they are. I bet they would almost hurt when they rubbed across your... <gasps> I can't say nipples in front of you! Don't look at me! You did it! <laughs> um... So that's an interesting passage because yes. it both explains Cassian's connection to Nesta, perhaps, and also that Feyre is relieved that Cassie may have a connection to Nesta. Like, the, her saying thank you is kind of, like, touching. Mm-hmm. Um, so the circle is preparing for the Hewn City at the opening of Chapter 24. Cassian stays back to guard the city and Elaine while the rest of them go on. Feyre realizes that it's almost the day Elaine was about to get married to 
fucking plain oatmeal flavored Grayson Ugh. and goes to check on her. She's surprised to discover that Elaine is out of her room in the family library. Nesta is watching over her sister daughter like a hawk. Nesta makes some sort of snide remarks to Feyre, but Feyre ignores her and just walks up to Elaine, kind of going, hey, buddy, <laughs> how we doing today? Just talking to her like she's an insane asylum patient in the 1940s. That's why give her cocaine and masturbate I her know, and right? put her on her way. That's what she needs. That's all she needs. She asks what Elaine's looking out at the window, and Elaine says that she can see very far now, all the way to the sea. That she, Then she says to Feyre that she can hear her heartbeat. Feyre tries to gently tell her that there are ways to drown it out, that it's just the new face senses. She said, I can hear the sea. Even at night, even in my dreams, the crashing sea and the screams of a bird made of fire. And then the sisters are like, uh, oh, no. Feyre tries again. There's a garden, she says to Elaine, there's a garden at the townhouse. She'd love for her to tend to it. Elaine only turned toward the sunny windows again, the light dancing in her hair. Will I hear the earthworms writhing through the soil? Yikes. Or the stretching of roots? Oof. Will the bird of fire come to sit in the trees and watch me? Get her a puzzle. Yeah. You know, this bitch needs a puzzle. I think that she would love a puzzle. And it just imagine the kind of puzzles they've got in Prithian. Ooh, probably really fun shapes. Yeah, like magic puzzles, like the 3D. Oh, do you ever yeah. do any of those 3D puzzles? I haven't, but I want to. I tried to do the uh, the Tower of London once, and I just failed miserably. Did you get angry and smash it? Yeah, no. Well, I, I got ang- so angry that I remember to a point trying to shove the pieces together so that they would fit anyway. And um, <laughs> That's not how a puzzle works. And then, and then, it's um, quite counterintuitive yeah, to a puzzle. I think it was an expensive puzzle, too, I like, imagine. And, that I destroyed. Yeah. That's eh, fine. Fuck eh, fuck it. <laughs> um, yeah, so That's why I say after every puzzle I do. I say, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, that puzzle, fuck it. You think you're smarter than me, puzzle? Go fuck yourself, puzzle. <laughs> So, <laughs> uh, so Farah, after this all comes out of Elaine, she's sort of like, you know what, Elaine, why don't we just table this for now? Let's yeah. just circle back to the firebird you're talking yeah. about. Um, and Nesta leave the room to discuss this turn of events. Elaine has come out of her room on her own, which is a step up. She's in the library there with, with Nesta, but she's been speaking in riddles all day, which is not great. Nah. Nesta lets it slip when she asks Feyre if Elaine has, quote, powers like hers. And so this, like, is alarming to Feyre because Nesta usually won't acknowledge that she has any power and certainly won't tell anyone what those powers might be. And Feyre's a little curious if the, she could, like, destroy the world. So beyond that, Feyre has no idea what's happened to Elaine, and she f- fears that she may have lost her mind inside the cauldron. Time will tell if that's true. Feyre attempts to change the subject by asking Nesta why she won't train with Cassian. She gives a dismissive answer and one that finds that Feyre finds exhausting. She begins to argue with her when they hear someone enter. You, you left your room. Oh, uh, it's Lucian. It's Lucian. He just wants her to be happy. He just wants her to maybe just like look at him once. They're mated. It, it, it hurts his heart. It does. Nesta is angry, but Feyre blocks her before she can stop Lucian from approaching Elaine. 
Feyre realizes that nothing so far has worked on Elaine, so pulling her out of this daze, why not let Lucian give it a shot? Give her a little try. But then she's faced with a conundrum because she doesn't think Lucian would ever hurt her sister, but no, how can she be sure, though? Yeah. She decides to do something quite violating. She enters Lucian's mind. She's slammed into a wall of racing thoughts all about Elaine, and it's so sad. He's worried and scared and is simultaneously fighting the instinct to approach her, desires to touch her, taste her. He's worried and horny at the same time. Oh, my God. What, do you live inside my brain? Come (laughs) on. That is you. (laughs) He reflects on the differences between Elaine and his past love, Jasminda. Feyre hears in his mind... He glanced toward the tea service spread on a low-lying table nearby. I'm going to assume one of those cups belongs to your sister. Indeed, there was a discarded book in the viper's usual chair. Cauldron helped the male who wound up shackled to her. (laughs) So that's Lucian's thoughts that that Feyre is reading right then. And he's, of course, speaking of Nesta, who's the viper. Oh, yeah. He tries to sit gently across from Elaine and Feyre hears him being so nervous in his internal dialogue that he's afraid he might vomit. He also admi- Lots of puking in these. Oh, yeah, know. lots of puking. Yeah, as, as someone that is a pukezilla also, it, it actually makes me feel more seen. I didn't know you were a pukezilla. Oh, yeah, I puke all the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's kind of fun. It's called indigestion and acid mm. that gets so bad that sometimes it just makes me throw up acid. Is this the kind of information you wanted to know? I'm giving it. That sounds like a fate power. Can you shoot it at people? <gasps> yeah, I go, <laughs> and then like, then just like the, the my neck my, goes yeah, up. Yeah, the neck goes up, like I'm in Jurassic Park. Ah, <sighs> uh, so um, uh, <laughs> he also, in his thoughts, admits to himself that he might actually like it here against his better judgment. Aww, Elaine finally seems to notice that he's there and gazes at him, e- even as he knows that she understands that they are mated. She asks him. Who are you? I am Lucian, seventh son of the High Lord of Autumn. Goosh, 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 goosh. And then she go. then Elaine goes on to say, Lucian. She said at last, and he clenched his teacup to keep from shuddering at the sound of his name on her mouth. From my sister's stories, her friend. <laughs> so... She goes on to to listen through to his 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 thoughts as he's like, you know, just trying so desperately to like get through to Elaine. Um, and he learns in this interaction that she is still thinking about Grayson and how she was to be married. And so he doesn't know what to do other than say, I'm sorry that this is happening, even though he's devastated because she's just thinking about this other man. Ugh. And then she sort of also starts saying her riddles to him about how she can hear his heartbeat at night when he's sleeping and asks if he can hear hers. And he says, no, lady, I cannot. Her two thin shoulders seem to curve inward. No one ever does. No one ever looked. Not really. A bramble of words, her voice strained to a whisper. He did. He saw me. He will not now. Oh, girl, it's okay. There's others out there for you. As much as a Grayson's a whatever, 
it is heartbreaking. I know. And I do think that this is alluding to what, what we don't know about Elaine yet. Probably not even Nesta knows Elaine. I get a feeling like Elaine was given this role to play by her mother. And she's just continued it on all these years. And I think she's kind of saying Grayson saw me as who I actually am and nobody does. Yes, because like we also learn nothing about her relationship with Grayson that as much as I want to be like, whatever, he's just a a human male who gives a shit. But like maybe they really did have a connection together and did like that she did feel seen for the first time and like. Do you remember the first time you felt seen by someone for the first time? Oh! Of course you fall in love with them. Oh. So th- he he gives up. He walks away from Elaine and then but he tells Nesta and Feyre that he they need to get her out of this house. That this is not helping her. They have to get fresh air to her. And then Feyre sort of says, "Okay, we need to move her out and you, Nesta. And surprisingly, Nesta doesn't argue. And so that day, that very day, they just take Nesta and Elaine all the way down to the townhouse. And that's where they're now going to live. And in this moment, Asriel, um, there is a bit of a connection uh, mm. between him and Elaine, which we'll talk about more in future chapters. But he kind of connects to her in a way. And she speaks to him and it's a little bit of an oh whoa Whoa. it's gonna be a problem because Asriel kind of blushes whenever she she calls his skin beautiful he's scarred and he blushes oh my god and then (laughs) so Reese is the one who flew Nesta down she is about to vomit and he kind of jokes that he flew a little too fast on, on purpose on purpose and when she comes out of the bathroom from throwing up, her eyes have changed to a thing. It's another, uh, like, nod to her magic and all of them being like, what? <laughs> what is that? What's going on there? Uh, no. So her eyes sort of turn into, like, some scary color. When she's away, after they see this, like, glow in her eyes, Reese asks Lucian if this fire inside of her is anything, like, the glowing eyes is anything he ever saw in the autumn court. And he says, no, her fire is like ice. That's nothing like the Autumn Court's fire. Sick. Feyre kind of reveals everything that, about the prison that she she worries that Nesta has become death herself. Sick. From basing, basing being on inside the cauldron and whatever she decided to steal from it. Man, I don't think I'd worry if my sibling became death. I just want to really make sure that they still were on good terms with me. Yeah, you got to keep it, keep it nice and polite. Nice and chill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then you know, Feyre, like, goes back to realizing why Nessa didn't want to talk about what had gone in there. And that for her, it had been mere seconds while they had been under. I had never asked either of my sisters how long it had been for them inside that cauldron. Yikes. That's scary. Um, yeah, because you have no idea how long they perceived to be inside of there. Of course you could go mad. Yeah. What if they were in there for, like, a million years? Uh-huh. Um so everyone's getting prepared for the Hewn City as they put on their masks. They put on all their, you know, Feyre goes back into her sensual gown. It's slightly more covered up, but she's still very sexy. Mm. Um, and she's as she's getting ready in the room, she sees Asriel and Elaine sitting together in the garden and questions why they wouldn't be a better pair. And oh. Reese doesn't really, again, know how mating works. We've talked about that before, that... Um, it's sort of a nature thing, and, and they don't really fully understand why somebody connects to another. Um, so Reese then uh, – Feyre sits before Reese, and he brings down the ravened 
<clears throat> the raven-feathered crown that hey, has a matching one. He, he said it on her head before. And, God, I want that crown so badly. Yeah, they, they must look pretty cool. Yeah, dude. Do you want to start from together? Together we stared at our reflection, Lord and Lady Knight, ready to be wicked. He purred in my ear. This time. I breathed, kissing the tendril of tattoo that peaked just above the collar of Reese's black jacket. I get to make Kier beg. So next, the, as chapter 25 starts, they've already arrived at the Hewn City, and Amron has dressed Nesta for this outing, and it's because it's not empowering to Nesta to have skin showing as it is for Feyre and Morgan. She has made her intoxicating in her own fitting fashion, which is a very tight, uh, like, body-hugging, floor-length, yeah. long-sleeved like black gown, which is like fucking awesome. Awesome. The circle all enters before Reese as he, uh, as they enter the throne room. So they all enter and then they like flank this either side of this the the single throne that's sitting up there, which is such a cool visual. Um, and then Reese winks at Feyre as he escorts her towards that throne above where their family now stands. The crowd murmured as I sat the black stone bitingly cold against my bare thighs. They outright gasped as <gasps> Reese simply perched on the arm of the throne, smirked at me, and said to the Court of Nightmares, Bow. <laughs> yes. So for this, this is the announcement of their new high lady. Sick. As she sits on their throne, she feels all the face sending their magic forth, testing it. She clamps down on their test, their testicles. She clamps <laughs> down on their tendrils. <laughs> but if they had their testicles out, she's also clamping down on those testicles too. <laughs> so she clamps down on the tendrils of their magic and people cry out in the crowds. Would you like to have this back? It's a very badass scene. Mm-hmm. So Reese commands the room, and then Amarin asks for leave. She takes Nesta off to wherever they're going to find the magical trove to test her magic out on. And then Reese tells Kier that he's to meet with him in 10 minutes in the private chambers. So shortly later, they meet in a cool, spooky-sounding council chamber. It sounds like a H.R. Geiger painting. I know it's supposed to be bad, but it sounds cool. Yes. Um, it can still look cool. We just know that the place is bad. Yeah, that's true. Um, so... Kier sneers through a discussion with Reese, and Kier says that he feels sympathetic to Hyburn's cause when Reese asks for his allegiance in this war. But Reese has planned for this. He knows that Kier's not just going to roll over. So Reese asks him his price. And Kier is like total Tywin Lannister vibes. He's just Such like a little bastard. Yeah, he's like a shit. And he sneeringly asks if he was willing to give his maid over. Not really wanting it, just taunting him. And Reese shuts that down very quickly. And then he goes, what's your actual asking price? And then Reese pulls out a wild card, one that he's even kept from his mate. Bring him in. The doors opened on a phantom wind. I didn't know where to look as a servant escorted in the tall male figure. At Moore, whose face went white with dread. At Asriel who reached for his dagger, truth-teller, his every breath alert, focused but unsurprised, not a hint of shock. Or at Eris, heir to the autumn court, as he strolled into the room. Oh, no, Reese, what are you doing, baby? What are you doing? He's got yeah. secrets. 
secrets, secrets. So many secrets. Confusion is just woven through the room at this introduction, and he's clearly not told anyone in the inner circle that he was going to bring Eris, and more is shocked and yes. hurt. Yeah, I think he should have talked to more first, but I understand why he didn't, but I think he should have talked to more first. It's hard because this is really cruel to do to her. Feyre can't believe that he didn't warn either of the females that this was going to happen. And she hasn't seen Eris since that day on the winter court ice floor. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he'd really hurt her. And he'd also been stabbed in the gut by Lucian, I mean, by, uh, by Asriel, and that's all healed. So it's kind of fucked up, you know? And But Reese says he's just doing this to make sure Kier agrees to help. It's clear that even Asriel was not informed of this trickery. And basically, he's saying he's helping to combine, like, create ties between the Court of Nightmares and Autumn Court, but Kier says he wants more. And now, as we know, Kier knows about the city of Starlight. Uh. He didn't know what it was. Uh, he didn't know what was out there before the Hybern attack, but now he says, I want access to the city, Kier said, for me and my court. All of the inner circle is stunned, and they favors like, no, 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 no. But Rizan says, he doesn't shut it down. He says, you can't have free access, but there will be rules and restrictions. Kier looked to Moore at last, noted the despair and anger, and smiled. He had no real desire to get out of here, only a desire to take something he'd undoubtedly gleaned that his daughter cherished. I could have gladly shredded through his throat, as Kier said. Done. That is what... That is what Reese was doing when he was meeting with the governors that time Favor begged to be spared from Cassian and Nesta's bickering. He was planning this for a long time, and he didn't tell any of them. So Moore stares and stares at Reese, but he ignores her. And it's so brutal because he's brought together the two men who have ever hurt her most. Yes. And now he's forming a relationship with them. But, but he has to. He does. He has to get as many people on his side as he can. And— Feyre doesn't have time to dwell on this because she has another order of business. She needs that mirror from him. At first, so he, she says, I need the Ouroboros mirror. And he's mad because he doesn't know how she found out he has it. But then he, he laughs. He says, take it. Sure. It's your, consider your mating mm. gift. And she's like, well, this is, uh, this okay, this is a trick. Yeah. He goes on to explain to actually claim the mirror that the carver wants. You have to look into it and every person who has has gone mad. Not mad! Oh, yeah. Kier then dismisses himself from the room and they are left alone with Eris. Eris remains maddeningly cool and calm as the inner circle reels with this turn of events. It's, it's just a problem because Eris is also really hot. I is. hate that they're all hot no matter, like, that they're but all still very attractive. You, we do learn that everybody who's a villain is not actually a villain and everyone who's good is not actually good in these books. So he, well, there's some more to his shades story. shades of gray. Shades <laughs> of gray. So it's revealed here that Eris is doing this behind his father's back. <gasps> and in the meeting, we get the faintest whisper of this other side of Eris. And they get into this big argument, which we'll learn more about later on in chapters. And he denies ever having harmed her. And that he says that she doesn't actually know what happened that day and that she doesn't know what she's talking about, which is news to everyone. Well, then, like, tell us the story. No, we can't. Right. Like, that's the whole thing. He was like, you didn't even know. You didn't even know what happened that day. Well, open your mouth then. Open your mouth up. Sorry, she was too busy getting tortured to know or remember exactly what happened. Getting nailed in the gut. Um, so... 
he does. He says, though, I did free from that bargain, didn't I? And he also alludes to have alerted the Lyrians about her location to save her. But we get way more into that. They sort of just like, Ugh, you're a bastard. Get out of here. Then the chapter ends with Eris rising and amusedly, I don't know if that's a word, yeah. telling them all that he'll see them in 12 days at the Lord's meeting. <gasps> the little Lord's meeting. Will Lord Fauntleroy be there? So there's going to be some tension amongst the inner circle after this chapter, which uh, we're going to get yeah. into next week. That was a thick, thick episode. You did great with this episode. There's so much that <sighs> happens in this hundred pages. Woo! Woo! Um, you got to get out of here. I got to get on. You got to get, get in the cab. Here. Sweetest bitch you'll ever hear. Cab's here. I got to get out of here. Pump you later. <laughs> I'm talking to Cassian. Please read up to chapter 33 or page 334 in the paperback. And now, dudes grappling with erotica for educational purposes only. Featuring Brooks Whelan and Nick Turner. He looked me over, naked, covered in paint, his own face and body smeared with it, and gave me a slow, satisfied male smile. You're mine, he snarled and hefted me up into his arms. I wanted him to just take me against the wall, but he carried me into the room I'd been using and set me down on the bed with a heartbreaking gentleness, wholly naked. I watched as he unbuttoned his pants, and the considerable length of him sprang free. My mouth went dry at the sight of it. I wanted him, wanted every glorious inch of him in me, wanted to claw at him until our souls were forged together. He didn't say anything as he came over to me, wings tucked in tight. He'd never gone to bed with a female while his wings were out, but I was his mate. He would yield only for me, and I wanted to touch him. I leaned up, reaching over his shoulder to caress the powerful curve of his wing. Reese shuddered, and I watched his cock twitch. Play later, he ground out, indeed. His mouth found mine. The kiss open and deep, a clash of tongues and teeth. He lay me down on the pillows and I locked my legs around his back, careful of his wings. Though I stopped caring as he nudged at my entrance and paused. Play later, I snarled into his mouth. Reese laughed. <laughs> in a way that skittered along my bones and slid in. And in. And in. I could hardly breathe, hardly think beyond where our bodies were joined. He stilled inside me, letting me adjust, and I opened my eyes to find him staring down at me. Say it again, he murmured. I knew what he meant. You're mine, I breathed. Reese pulled out and thrust back in slow, so, torturously slow. You're mine, I gasped out. Again he pulled out and thrust in. You're mine, again, faster, deeper this time. I felt it, then the bond between us, like an unbreakable chain, like an undimmable ray of light. With each pounding stroke, the bond glowed clearer and brighter and stronger. You're mine, I whispered, dragging my hands through his hair, down his back, across his wings. My friend through many dangers, my lover who had healed my broken and weary soul, my mate who had waited for me against all hope, despite all odds. I moved my hips in time with his. He kissed me over and over, and both of our faces turned damp. Every inch of me burned and tightened, and my control slipped entirely as he whispered, I love you. 
Release tore through my body and he pounded into me hard and fast, drawing out my pleasure until I felt and saw and smelled that bond between us, until our sense merged and I was his and he was mine, and we were beginning and middle and end. We were a song that had been sung from the very first ember of the light of the world. Reese roared as he came, slamming it into the hilt. Outside the mountains trembled, the remaining snow rushing from them in a cascade of glittering white, only to be swallowed up in the waiting night below. Hey, babies! For more fairy talk and hot touch, join us every week here on LPN Deep Dive's Akatar, available wherever you get your podcasts. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.